with a shout in lung-crushing panic. Palms slammed flat against the wall, feet scrambling up the bed towards him. Where am I? His heart thunders in his open mouth and he does not know if he is still screaming. He flings an arm out in front of him into the darkness. A light, there must be a light, but finds only a glass of water that his elbow sends flying. It is momentarily airborne before he hears the clunk, the wet shatter of it, and when his sleep-fattened fingers finally locate the light switch, the rug is laced with shards of dangerous glitter. Things swim slowly into focus, a pool of orange light beating back the shadows. He is in a bed, in a room, under the eaves of a building. Under the roof slope he can make out a desk, the outline of his backpack, a mirror reflecting a blur of light. The window is open, banging against the wall, and the pale curtains are sucked in and out by the wind, rushing up into the room on their release like long, ghostly fingers. Avoiding the glass, Edward makes his way across the space on unsteady legs. His palms are slick with sweat as they fumble with the ratty loop of rope that's been used for years, it seems, to tie the window open. It's come loose while he's slept. These fiddly moments bring with them a sense of calm, of focus. The air that whistles along the rooftops is cool. The knot of dread in his stomach is loosening. And by the time the work is done, he has remembered that the terror was a nightmare that he is in Paris, and that this is Emily's apartment. Apartment. He looks around him. The room is smaller than his friend had implied. A single bed in one corner, the kitchen in another. Its electric hot plate just six diagonal paces from the clown print pillow. Edward's lips twitch as the fabric face leers back at him. It's typical Emily. This jumble of childhood bedsheets and snatches of paper thrown up all over the place. The wall by the bed flutters in the night air. Patterns, postcards, sketches, pinned together like butterflies' wings. Edward returns to the bedside and collects pieces of glass into an ashtray. The wind has quieted a little now. More breath than shriek as it ruffles the wall of paper, whispers over the bedclothes. His breath is still rattling in his chest. Just before four, according to his watch, but the blood is too high in him to think of sleep. He is in the grip of that sharpness that follows fear, the sudden cognizance of every cell, the microscopic rush of blood through each capillary. The night terror sits just out of sight on his shoulder, a dark bird dancing its feet along his collarbone. Always the same, his sister's face smiling at him. The moment before the car hits, stretching into an eternity in which he can't move, can't speak, can't tell her to stop. The glass rattles beneath his fingers as Edward's hands start up their shaking again. He strains his ears but hears no noise from his neighbours. He hates the thought that someone might have heard his cry. Opening the kitchen bin, he is met with the warm rush of decomposition. Rotting fruit, cigarettes, 
the queasy staleness of beer that's spent hot days at the bottom of old bottles. This is typical Emily, too. He'd pushed the piles of dirty laundry out of his mind and into the cupboard when he'd arrived, tried not to think about the balled-up lace knickers by the bed or how crisp they were underfoot. But he hadn't checked the bin. And in the pre-dawn murk, the sweet putrefaction turns his stomach. He pulls on jeans, trainers, yesterday's T-shirt. It cloaks him in eight hours of bus journey, the baked sweat of a channel crossing spent on deck. But it's better than the bin bag, which he ties and walks out of the room at arm's length. Four o'clock, and Edward stands outside his new building, in a new city, breathing damp summer deep into his lungs. He doesn't know where the bins are yet, so...